Let's go, TC. Let's give it up for Jesus. Listen, I could tell y'all were tired earlier today, so I'm going I'm to need y'all. Listen, I want you, everyone to do me a favor. I want you to move one seat in a different direction. I don't care what it is. Just come on, get up. Come on, shift. Come on, shift. One seat, different direction. We're going youth group style right now. Move. Just one seat. Doesn't matter what it is. See, you instantly feel better right now. All right. So some, some of you are like, I'm not doing it. All right. Wait and see if that seat's there next first Wednesday. That's all I'm, no, I'm scared. I'm going to take it from you. I'm just kidding. All right. Turn your neighbor and say, get ready. I don't know what for. Nate said, Pastor Brad's got a message. I looked behind me. I said, I do? I don't know. I'm just kidding. We're going to be in Romans 12. Get your Bibles out. And uh, as Nate said, he is correct. Um, if this is new to you, if this is your first, first Wednesday, we'll move exegetical. Like I said, we're going to do an exegesis. We're going to do an exposition slash exegesis. We're going to move verse by verse through the Bible. We're going to pull out just what the Bible says. And so if you've been with us on a Sunday, you're used to a topical style. We're kind of pick a topic and, and do that. But this is going to be a good bit different. And uh, to be honest with you, this is my favorite way to preach. Um, it's my favorite way to read the Bible. And quite frankly, just to, I kind of want to help you guys, especially going into the new year. The way that we do First Wednesdays is actually the way you want to approach the Bible every day. All right, so on Sundays, we're preaching just kind of about a topic, but really what we're doing on First Wednesdays is kind of showing you what does it look like to move through the Bible, listen, and let the Bible read you as much as you read it. And so that's what we're going to do tonight, and just kind of let the Bible bring life to us. And so let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight once again, and we just pray you be with us. Let your word speak to our hearts. Let it read us as we read it. Show us all the ways we can become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm finishing a cough drop. Hold on. Sorry. All right. I've been coughing for three days. I was like, let me have a voice for Wednesday. And then Wednesday got here. I was like, let me have a voice for Sunday. So, all right, Romans 12. But before we can go to Romans 12, we have to go back to Romans 11. So let's do that. All right. And as we do it, verse 33 through 36 is where we're going to go. Because to understand what Paul starts Romans 12 with, we have to understand his intent behind the end of Romans 11. So let's look at verse 33. He says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. That in and of itself is a statement. I want you to think about, oh, the depth, oh, oh, how deep it is that God knows more, has more, and can experience more than we can possibly fathom. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge. Listen, when you think you've got it all figured out, and then life changes, because it be like that sometimes, am I right? Like, it never is like that for God. Just when you think you've got enough and all of a sudden a bill shows up and you don't have enough anymore. Because it's like that sometimes. It's never like that for God. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom. Listen, some, some of us are losing sleep right now over the thing God's already got figured out. Come on, don't look at me like that. I said, some of us are stressing out right now over the thing God's already got figured out. And so we are connected. Oh, the depth of the riches. And what I love about I was just telling one of my boys tonight, I was telling Justin earlier, I was like, it's cool because this is one, of, I, I'm going to get to preach a little bit tonight. 
And so usually first Wednesday is teaching, but I'm going to get to preach a little bit tonight because we're not. Even, it's going to take 15 minutes to get past Romans 12, 1, all right? So it's going to be good. Uh, okay, some of y'all are like pulling your toes in right now. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be good, right? How unsearchable are his judgments and how un- inscrutable his ways. In other words, you cannot pass judgment on his judgment, You can't look into the way he does things and cast judgment on the way he does things because his judgment is perfect. So he goes in, how searchable are his judgments, unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable are his ways. We cannot justify it. And he goes to verse 34, for who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has given a gift to him? that he might be repaid. In other words, there is never a moment he's not in control. There is never a moment where he's not the sovereign king. There's never a moment where someone, he is in debt to someone else. He is always the ruler, right? For from him, I want us to read this verse together because this is it right here. Listen, like this verse, when people come to me and they're like off in their world a little bit, this is the verse I give to them. Listen, let's read it together. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Listen, for from him. Like there is, there is nothing that has ever existed that did not come from him. Right? John 1 says, in the beginning was God. Right? And everything came to exist through God. But he actually speaks it as Jesus. So through Christ, all things exist and nothing exists without him. Right? And so what do we see here? For from him and through him and to him are all things and to him be the glory for all the things. Everything in your life is a gift from God. And if it wasn't for God, you would have nothing in your life. So when we posture ourselves as justified, I had this job because I got my degree and I worked really hard. And no, no, no. You have what you have because God has been gracious enough to you to give it. Every breath you breathe, you breathe it because God has ordained it. And the second he stops ordaining the breath you breathe, you stop breathing. Everything you have, everything you own, every blessing in your life, it exists strictly because God of all creation said for it to exist in your life. From him, through him. To him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So let's make sense out of Romans 12, 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So I want you to, I want to pause for a second here Because we're presenting your bodies to the one that created them, right? Now, I know for some of us, like, yes, this makes perfect sense. But I want to show you how we navigate this. This is difficult because, listen to me, your identity is not in what you want. Your identity is not in how you feel. Your identity is not wrapped up in your desires. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not. I'm going to do this a couple times and I make sure y'all are with me, okay? So I don't know if you're scared or what. Some of y'all are like, I don't know, right? So it's not in what you want. It's not in how you feel. It's not in your desires. Your identity doesn't come from the inside of you. And and you don't need to look deep inside of you to figure out who you really are. And then once you figure out who you really are, you can now portray this to the whole world. No, 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 no. You are who God says that you are. Like you are his for from him. 
to him, through him are all things. Listen to me, even your identity. You are not self-identified. You are not self-created. You are not self-successful. You are not in and of yourself anything outside of what God makes you to be. And so he comes and he says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So I want to put it to you like this. He has the authority over your life when he's Lord of your life. I know many of us are going, this makes perfect sense to me. Then why do we fight him so hard for control? Why are we at every turn like, God, if you would just do it my way? Now, I know none of you are like that. But how many of you are with me? Like, God, if you would, if I could just let me have the reins for, let me have the steering wheel for a second. Honey, you would take it off the bridge. (laughs) All right? He has the authority, listen, he has the authority to, he has the authority over your life. He has the authority to tell you what to do. He has the authority to tell you what not to do. And I want to, we need to set this groundwork because the reason Paul went out of his way in Romans 11, 33 through 36 to, to help us understand the severity of who God is, is because he's about to create a very significant ask in Romans 12, 1. Lay it all down and die to it. Isn't that what he said? Some of you are like, I don't see, well, let's look. What does a perfect living sacrifice then look like? Where do we go to understand what a perfect sacrifice looks like? Where do we go to understand the severity of the words and language we could use to really understand Romans 12, 1? Well, we go to Luke twenty two forty two, and this is what it says. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. So what does it look like to navigate a living sacrificial life? It is to look at the perfect sacrifice who is Jesus Christ and model after him. God, these are the things that I want, but not my will. Your will be done. And I think, I don't know about you, I have a good time. I can say this, but living it, there's only five of y'all that are with me right now. I said, I can say it, but living it, I, <laughs> Father, you're in control. And he's like, cool, we're going to sell everything. We're going to move to Brazil. It's like, okay, I don't think you're as in control as I thought you were. <laughs> we're going to move to Africa. We're going to live in a hut. It's like, Jesus, I freaked out during the hurricane when my power went off and I didn't have an air conditioner. Like, I, I really need to, like, we, we got to talk through this, right? Like, where's the closest Target in Starbucks, ladies? Right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, not my will. Your will be done. Right? Jesus is the model. Say model of a living sacrifice. So when we're saying, I don't want to love my enemy. Come on, let's get down to the grid here. I don't want to deny my flesh. I don't want to pursue righteousness and holiness with my sexual urges. I don't don't want to surrender my own personal desires. I, I don't want to stop looking at those websites. I don't want to stop. I don't want to. I don't want to. And listen to me, your don't want does not override God's you must. 
And God says, lay down your body as a living sacrifice. I don't want to deny my flesh. I don't want to pursue it. Listen, you cannot want to, or you can, I say this, you cannot want to and still be obedient. I'm going to say again, you cannot want to and still be obedient. So I'll put it to you this way. Have any of you ever in protest went with the plan of God? Come on, help me out, right? Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you right now, right? <laughs> How many of y'all have in protest went with the plan of God? Like, just for the record, God, I'm not on board with this, but seeing as I'm on a ship that I'm not captaining right now, I'm going to I'm gonna go. God's like, oh, I know. Yeah, you're going to go, right? But as, he, as we navigate this, right, you cannot want to but still be obedient to do it. I don't want to do this, God, but because you've asked me to, I'm laying my life down, a living sacrifice. I'm going to do it, maybe in protest, but I'm going to do it, right? And that's, that's where he's at right now. But the question that many people ask, and I think society asks it more than I think most Christians do, but if, I think if we were on, if we took a poll in here and you guys got to be unanimous, you would probably check this box, right? What right does God have to that over my life? And I know when we say it out loud, we're like, I would never. But don't we? God, what right do you have to demand this, to ask this of me, to come to my house that I've earned and ask for that part of my paycheck, to demand I forgive those people, to walk this out? God says, it is by my grace you have the logical portion of your brain enough to even process forgiving them. For from him, come on, to him, through him. That's what Paul's trying to get across here. The severity of 12. How many times have we read Romans 12.1 and been like, oh, yeah, present your body as a living sacrifice. Then we get to Romans 12.2. Do not conform, right? Well, how do you not conform? You got to get 12.1 right to get 12.2 right. And so what right does God have over your life? I would ask, what right do you have over that part of your life? Every breath that we have is a gift from God himself. We're not taking this into consideration. Listen to me. We're not taking this into consideration when we choose the gifts over the giver or creation over the creator. When we want what the world offers us more than we want God, we are choosing those things. We are choosing the creation that God created more than the creator himself that created them. Right? And so here we find ourselves in this. But listen, I want you to understand this, that, that when we come to God and we see him we sacrifice by default, say sacrifice. Sacrifice by default is the laying down of one thing to experience the beauty of another. I'm going to say it again. Sacrifice is the laying down of one thing to experience the beauty of another. Lay down your life to pick up eternity forever. Right? Like, lay down your desires to let him tell you what would be the most fulfilling thing in your life to actually have. Because how many guys have noticed that even when you get the thing that you wanted the most, you realize it doesn't do for you what you thought it would. And so now you're left with the guilt and the shame of the thing you thought you wanted when God tried to tell you no in the first place. So what does he do? He comes in. He says, you, you get to pick your poison here. And we're not talking about an eternal standpoint. We're talking about the way in which you're going to navigate this life. And so the ones you lost 
The things that you lost by laying them down were only going to rob you of the joy and the peace that you wanted anyway. So you present your body as a sacrifice so that you can enjoy the connection with the one that sacrificed for you. I'm going to say it again. When you lay down your life as a living sacrifice, you are sacrificing your life so that you can have a connection to the one who laid down his life for you. And you get to experience the glory of being connected to Jesus as you navigate this life, which for the record is oftentimes painful, but it's never wrong. And so Jesus leads us on this path where we present our body. And so where do we connect this? Where does this all come from? Romans 9. So when, we, when we're asking Jesus, like, how do I navigate this? Why, did, why does he have the right over my life? Romans 9, 21, what does it say? It says, does not the potter have the right to make out of the lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use. In other words, it's up to the potter to figure out what he does with the clay. The clay doesn't get to ask questions of the potter. And even if you do ask questions, I won't say that because I have a lot of questions. I ask questions frequently. So I'm going to give you the green light on questions. You just may not get all the answers. <laughs> all right? So... So the, when the clay asks questions of the potter, he doesn't get to be justified in telling the potter that he's wrong. God, you should have done it this way, even though I've been there. You should have done it this way, even though I've been there. You, sh you shouldn't have, it shouldn't have, they shouldn't have, I shouldn't have, we shouldn't have. Listen, when we come to the potter who is shaping the clay, it is up to the potter to make out of the clay the vessel that will bring him the most glory. Because from him, to him, through him are all things. To him be the glory forever. So your life, Romans 11, 33-36, is prepping you from him and to him. And through him are all things. Yes, all right, God, you're so good. You're great. You're big. All right, give God your life. Hold on. Because I wasn't ready for that part. And that's the reason we have to understand how the Bible was written versus how we read it. You see, chapters and verses are earmarks for our benefit. They weren't writing cues for theirs. So just because it stops at Romans 11 for us so that we can easily find what we're looking for doesn't mean that was the end of the letter for Paul. From him, through him, to him are all things is just the prelude to Romans 12.1. So present your body as a living sacrifice. And since that's the case, since that's the reality, I want you to say therefore. One more time. Say therefore. therefore. One more time. Therefore. therefore. Turn to your neighbor and say therefore. therefore. Romans 12.2. Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will. So, since all things are from him and through him, to him, for his glory, since you have acknowledged if you are a Christ follower, you must lay down your life as a living sacrifice when Romans 12, 2 says, don't conform to this world, there is no conversation about it. There is no, well, God, I really want to keep, no, 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 we already covered that. 
Well, God, I, I, I want to keep this part. Well, well, God, don't you know times have changed? Me and Jake were talking about earlier how, how people have uh, progressive Christianity thinks that the Bible should shift with the times. But the thing that makes the Bible great is that it doesn't shift with the times. Right? Like, truth is only truth if it doesn't evolve. Right? So, so it's, it is still the same yesterday, today, forever, because the Bible is the living word, which is Christ. And he, the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today. Oh, right? So we don't conform to the world. But hear me, we also don't expect the world to conform to the word. You guys, many of you have heard me say it before. I'm not shocked when fish swim, birds fly, and sinners sin because it's in their nature. So I'm not looking at the world like, oh, gosh. Did you see what they were wearing? Yeah, I, yeah, I have no doubt that's what they were wearing. Did you hear what they were singing? That's, I, yeah, it probably matches, right? Like, I'm not shocked when that's what's going on. I'm not overwhelmed with fear and judgment when I'm like, how, did, how, 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 how? The world will be the world. Listen to me, what they need is a church to be the church. Because the church mobilized is still the hope of the world. We are the carriers of the gospel. We are Romans 10, lived out, beautiful are the feet of those that carry the good news. That is us. We carry the good news. We are the ones that show them that when you've slept with all those people and you've said all of those things and you've drank all those things and you put all of those things in your body and you've done all those things, and I don't mean that from a judgmental standpoint, I mean that from a graceful standpoint. Once you've done it all and you realize it's not enough, I've got what you've been looking for. The hope in Christ Jesus. So not saying shame on you for doing the things that is in your nature to do. I'm strictly saying now that you've done it all and you realize it didn't do for you what you thought it would, come see, listen, what I needed when I was where you were. And it's the hope that's found in Jesus. So we don't conform. Why? Because we have to have something different than the world has. Right? So what do we do? We go back to what it says. And so do not conform. Because of this truth, you can choose not to conform to the pattern of the world. So then we go to Romans 12, verse 3. And that's where we pick up on this idea of the gifts of grace. I told you Romans 12, 1 and 2 is just going to be a doozy. All right. So for by the grace given to me, I say to, we're going to read all the way through verse 8. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, do not think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think with Sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members. I want you to, when that word members, I want you to think of it as parts. One body, we have many parts, right? And the members or parts do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ. And individually, members or parts of in one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Say use them. If prophecy <clears throat> in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, so if, let me help break that down. So if prophecy, if your gift is prophecy, use it, right, in proportion to your faith. If your gift is service, then let the grace be given to us in our serving. If it's the one that teaches, then it's in his teaching. If it's the one who exhorts, it's in his exhortation. If it's the one who con uh, contributes, it is in his generosity. If it is the one who leads, 
then with zeal. If it's the one who does acts of mercy, then with cheerfulness. In other words, what's being communicated to in verses 3 through 8 right here from the Apostle Paul is stop getting, A, hyped up too much about what's in you because the only reason it's in you is because God put it in you, A, but also stop diminishing what's in you because you feel like it's insignificant compared to what they have. So he looks at you and he says, I put everything in you that needs to be in you. And the reason everything is in you is because I wanted it in you. And this is even clearer when we look at 1 Corinthians 12. And this is 15 through 26. I want about you to turn there with me because this is a long passage. But I want to solidify this concept that Paul is talking about here. 1 Corinthians 12, 15 through 26. When we're talking about how we're connected in the body of Christ and what our roles or what our functions are in them. 1 Corinthians 12, 15 through 26, as we look at how God makes each one of us different. As you're turning, say different. He makes each one of us different. All right, let's do it. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable retreat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So Paul is helping us understand the same thing we just looked at with Romans 12, which is everybody in the body of Christ is important. Everything he's put in you matters. This is one of the reasons I go out of my way to give my boys in the booth back there a high five all the time. Uh, our production team. Matter of fact, let's give it up for production, Chris and Kyle and the whole team. And most of, you, <coughs> most of you don't know, there's a whole group of them that are in a room upstairs back there. Some of you are like, we have an upstairs? Yeah, it's back there. All right, so uh, production team back there as well. But one of the reasons why is if it weren't for them, the worship team doesn't sound like anything. But these people get the applause, and we only look at them when something's not working. You know what I'm talking about? Like, so when something's not on, we're all like, hey, hey, brother, get it together back there. Do your job. You know, it's like... We didn't think about it when it was going perfectly for the last six Sundays, but the second that light freaks out, Chris! Okay, so, but all that to say is that every person has a role in the body of Christ. And listen, I think this is so important because it is, we are so tempted to, to deny what God has put in us because it doesn't look like what God put in them, whoever them is. We are so tempted to, to think lesser of ourselves, or hear me, greater of ourselves than another because of what's in us. And Paul's going out of his way to say, don't get haughty, but don't get trampled on either. Don't put yourself above anyone, but also don't sulk in the fact that you don't have the gift you wish you had because someone else has it. 
No, no, no. What God put in you, he intends to use. That's why I love, I love when you read the Gospels, that the disciples and the authors of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that we can even see how God used each one of them strategically, even in their writing style and in their life to show what he wanted us to see, even through them. Like, I'll sh- first, I'll show you. For, so, for example, Luke, right, who wrote the book of Matthew. I'm just kidding, Luke. All right, so, so Luke, right, was a doctor, right? And so Luke, as a doctor, when you look at how he communicates about the miracles Jesus did, any miracle that had to do with the health of someone, he goes into specific detail about how Jesus did that. So he, he identifies, so Luke is the one that says that she was bleeding and no doctor could uh, help save her. Or like he goes into details about how the doctors, whereas Matthew was just like, yeah, she bled for 12 years. Right? So Luke is communicating specifically to that in his writings because we need to understand that Jesus cares about those things in our life. But then when we look at Matthew, who was a tax collector, he's specific about the numbers. So where other gospels say about 5,000, Matthew's one's like, nope, it was 5,403. Right? So we have a tax collector writing. So we get this understanding, right? I love this part, though. Check this out. Even Judas was recruited as a thief because we needed Jesus to die and we needed a disciple to betray him. Jesus was rec- uh, Judas was recruited knowing he would betray Jesus because Jesus needed the fulfillment of his plan for redemption for his people. So if you don't think Jesus has a plan for you and you're no Judas for the record. Okay, so I hope, yeah, okay, no, no, no. <laughs> let, me, let me look around. No, it's okay. Okay, so. And then we look at someone like Peter. God help Peter. Right? But what was Peter? He's a fisherman. I don't know if you've ever been around a group of fishermen before. But they are quite colorful. And I'm not talking about shades of skin color. I'm talking about their language, their brashness. I think second to them is car mechanics, okay? So, like, but like, literally, we, what do we have here? We have, this, we have this environment Peter's cultivated in. Well, well, who was Jesus, who was God going to need to stand up in the book of Acts and use his voice when no one else would? The brashness of the person that also cut off the ear. Come on, listen to me. When Jesus, listen, I, I, I want to help you with this. Jesus calls you according to your gifts, or Jesus didn't call you according to your gifts. He gifted you according to your calling. I'm going to say it again. He didn't call you according to your gifts. He gifted you according to your calling. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, he knew in 2023 he was going to need a person to do that thing. And because he knew that person was going to do that thing and he built you to fulfill his plan and his purpose on this earth, he then gifted you according to the calling he already had in your life. That's why Ephesians 2.10 says that he prepared good works for you to do long before you were formed. You are his workmanship or you're his craftsmanship you're his masterpiece some translations say so he he built you according to the good works according to the things according to the purpose that he had for you he built you according to the purpose he had for you listen he didn't figure your purpose out after you got here 
He wasn't like, oh, this woman's going to sleep with this guy and have this person, and, and it's going to be out of wedlock. Now this is going to be a big mistake. All right, let me come up with something. This per- i got to figure out a purpose for so-and-so. No, 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 no. When you breathe your first breath, you set into motion your part of the plan Jesus had all along. And he gifted you accordingly. He said, this is the purpose Jonathan back there is going to have. This is the purpose Eli is going to have. The purpose Nick's going to have. And because this is his purpose, I'm going to gift him with these things. And so don't you dare think too highly or too low of your gift set because your gift set is a masterpiece crafted by the God of all creation who used words to put the sun, moon, and stars into space and set the earth on its axis. He, axis. He, he did that, and as he did it, he set into motion your purpose, and he set into motion your gifting, and he set everything right there so that you could walk out the very thing yeah. he called you to do. Think about, I, man, let's process that for a second. Some of us are like, man, I just have the gift of hospitality. <laughs> I wish I could sing like Vince, right? Michaela, I wish I could. I can't be up there, so what am I going to do? High five people at the door? <laughs> Come on. That's what we do, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Eli, the creative team, all I can do is take photos, right? I'm no one special, but you never know when that photo or that high five transformed the life of somebody else because they didn't need a song, they just needed a person, right? Like, until our worship team records their first album, which may or may not be at some point in the relatively near future. But until that happens, <laughs> until that happens, right, they can't necessarily be impacted by our worship team on a Tuesday, but they can be by the photo of the worship team from Sunday. Every part matters. And so don't think too highly of yourself, but don't think too low of yourself either. That's why I love, like, I, I, Pastor Rick coming here is a godsend to us at TC. Because me and Justin are not compassionate people in and of ourselves. And I'm better than he is. Is he here? Yeah, see, he left. He was like, ah, this three through eight crap, I'm not here for this. I'm getting out. No, I'm just kidding. He's, he's probably fixing something for me. There he is. Hey, there he is. So be it. <laughs> He said, I don't need to hear about other people's gifts. I'm good with mine. That's what he said. <laughs> no, but me and Justin, we know it too. We know. Listen, when we, when we got ready to hire that person, we're like, man, this person needs to be so compassionate. This person needs to be a people person through and through. Um, we love people, but we're also systems-oriented people. We know the best thing for you is not that you have my cell phone number. The best thing for you is that you have 10 people in a small group, that you're on a team serving, getting fulfillment from it, and you're connected to everything that's going on in here. So that's the best thing that can happen for you. Because listen to me, if you call me, I don't know that I can answer when everyone else is calling me. But listen, if you got your 10 people, one of them, Tim, will answer when they need you. You feel me? And so but, so we, we just and I operate that way. Rick... God bless him. I don't, you, you, all of you probably has his number right now. I don't even know. Like he's, every time I see him with people. And I'll tell you right now, one of the moments that I knew I was like, this dude needs to be on our team because we'll change the game if he was here. Is listen, I went, to, I went to another place and he was there and he was working. 
And as he was working, um, he went out and we were in a conversation and he said, hold on, I got to go like high five and shake the hands and hug these people that are working on this sign real quick. And I thought in my mind, they went to that plate. Like I thought they were part of that organization. And so I was like, oh, dope. Yeah, yeah, go handle that. And so he went out and he came back and I was like, do you know them? He said, no, I've never met them before. <laughs> you know what me and Justin's response would have been? Good job. <laughs> Thanks for doing the thing we paid you to do. I pay them to do it. They did it. I don't feel like I owe them anymore. <laughs> y'all stop looking at me like that. <laughs> but some of y'all here are like, oh, no, that's me. That's definitely me, right? Yeah. But Rick was like, oh, man, he's like hugging them, like talking. He's like real calm. I'm like, do you know them? He's like, nah, I've never met them before. I was like, Jesus, man. In my mind, I was like, this dude needs to come work with me. Like, yeah, we can change the game together. Anyway, so all that to say is like, that's what we're talking about, man. We have to understand there's something special about the fact that God put us together to complete the whole body. And if we had a bunch of hands, we couldn't go anywhere because we don't have any feet, right? Like, those things matter. I'm not hospitable. I'm not. If you were to come in and be like, hey, can I get a water? Yeah, it's over there. Right? But we got some people in the church that are like, let me show you. I'll hold the button for you. You can just drink out of it. Here, I got you. Go for it. Good job. Good job. Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Where's Dawn at? There's a Dawn thing. You go. You go. You're drinking that water better than anyone's ever drank it before. Right? Like, there's some people that are just like that. So, yeah, it's, it's, it, but we need all of us. Because some of us aren't that person. Some people get to be that person. Listen, are y'all hear what I'm saying tonight? Like, don't underestimate what God put in you because he put it in you to fulfill the thing he called you to do before you ever even knew you had the gift. But listen to me, and I'm pleading you with you about this. Don't waste it. Don't you sit on that gift and not use it. Don't you have the thing, the very thing God put in you, and because it's not your personality, you're not going to fulfill the purpose of God in your life. Don't, don't you have something that the God of all creation took a moment out of eternity to design you specifically with something, and because it doesn't look like something else, or because it doesn't match your list of checklists, you refuse to use the greatness that God put in you. That would be a tragedy, that you stand before God in heaven, and you get in because he called you, but you got nothing to show for it because you sat on your gift. Don't do that. Please, not for me, for you. Because when I stand before God, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. So let's, man, let us serve. So we go to verse, verses 9 through 13. Honestly, verses 9 through 21 move pretty quickly because then what Paul does is he, he shows us how we're supposed to interact with each other as Christians and then he shows us how we're supposed to interact with non-believers. So verses 9 through 13 is how we interact with believers, right? This is marks of a true Christian, is what some of the translation explained it as. So if you're a true Christian, these things will be part of your life. So let's read it, right? Not out loud, but I'll read it to you. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil or hate what is evil, and hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo 
one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. In other words, don't be apathetic. Don't be indifferent. No, no, no. Be passionate. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation, which I don't know about you guys. I have a hard time with that one. When things are going wrong, be patient. I'm like, "Mm, nah. But marks of a true Christian, listen, again, we talk about this all the time. If you've been at TC long, you know, I'll tell you right now, I think the greatest thing that can happen to the American church is it can learn to suffer well. I think the greatest thing that can happen to the American church is we could lose everything and trust God in the process. I believe that's it. Because the world will know we trust God if we trust him when things are going wrong as much as we trust him when things are going right. Now, I don't hope it, for the record. I'm not over here like, come on, God, take it all away. That's not my prayer every morning. Come on, God, just remove it from my life. Every blessing, gone, for your glory. No, I'm not, that's not me. Okay, that, I'm not that dude. Maybe Paul was, I'm not. All right? Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. What a good one. In the busyness of the world, to be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. I'm glad he didn't say show hospitality. He says seek to show. All right, Lord, I'm going to try. But I'm going to let Rick do it. Okay, so. (laughs) So that's how we should live with, that's how we should interact with non-believers. I mean, with believers, sorry. That's how we should interact with believers. And so, listen, if you're ever in a situation where your heart towards another believer is off, you need to come back to this and say, Man, I gotta get this right. Like, this is this is where I'm supposed to be. Which is why even when we take communion, we're like, hey, listen, we need to we need to reevaluate. We, we need to process this. We need to think through this. When I think of other Christians at aught with other Christians and they refuse to do anything about it, I I fear the way in which God will withhold his grace, not eternal grace, but his earthly grace from them. Because they're gonna walk in torment until they learn to forgive. And listen to me, I touched on this Sunday, but I think for some of you, and this isn't even in my notes, so maybe this is just a Holy Spirit moment right now. For some of you, are, you are confined to the torment of your unforgiveness. Not your inability, your unwillingness. To let someone else go for the sake of being closer to God. You cannot hold on to your offense and cling to Jesus at the same time. And again, I'm not talking about an eternal perspective. I'm talking about an earthly one. Looking for favor. God, bless this as we curse someone else. You can't do it. I want this for you. I want this life for you. So how are we to interact with non-believers? Chastise them on Facebook. Oh, no, sorry, that was a different translation. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. See, a lot of times we read that within the context of Christianity. We're supposed to do that with the world. 
You're supposed to do that with your unsaved coworker who cussed you out two weeks ago, and they come in and they've lost everything. And you say, in your mind, you're going, well, don't look at me like that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but they're weeping, and you say, you're hurting, I'm hurting with you. Right? John 13, 35, going back to even how we love Christians, how we love each other. By this, they, talking about the world, by this, they will know you are my disciples by how you love one another. So listen to me, the world's not gonna know you're Jesus' disciple by your daily Instagram post or Facebook post or TikTok. The world will not know you are a disciple of Jesus because you buy cool clothes from Art of Homage, even though, right, 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 right. The world will not know you are a follower of Jesus because you tap into supernatural wisdom occasionally. The world will know that you follow Jesus, you are a disciple of Christ by how you love one another. Man, we gotta love each other better. And I'm, for the record, I am grateful be able to teach this in a church that I believe does this so extraordinarily well. I'm grateful to, I'm grateful this isn't like me trying to correct anybody, all right? I'm not, this isn't like covert, like, hey, Eli, get your crap together. Okay, that's not, that's not what we're doing. Like, this is genuinely like, perhaps a warning for those of us who are so tempted to fall in, myself included, to keep pushing back from the edge and saying, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose to keep living according to Christ. Right? Let's go back. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Pastor Dan. Thank you for living out Romans 12, 16 your whole life. Never being haughty, but living with the lowly. You showed me in this whole church what it looks like to love people that we could think are below us. And I honor you tonight. You've shaped the culture of this church into valuing every single person that walks in. I want to say thank you. We wouldn't be here if you didn't do that. Repay no one. Repay no one evil for evil but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I'm so glad they put that first half in there. If possible, you know. Beloved, never avenge yourself, 
but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. If you've ever read a verse in the entire Bible that I struggle with, it's that one, for the record. Because, you know, I want to flatten some tires and burn some stuff down. <laughs> My whole staff is like, <laughs> They know it be real. All right. To the contrary. We'll wrap this up. To the contrary. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will uh, heap burning coals onto his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What a letter Paul has for us in Romans to understand what it looks like to live like Christ, to lay our life down as a living sacrifice, to understand what it is that he's put inside of us and then how to interact both with our brothers and sisters in Christ and with the world, that we could live that kind of life. And so I wanna invite you to stand to your feet tonight. So get ready to end. As we always do at First Wednesday, we're gonna end tonight with a, a moment of reflection. And so I wanna invite you to close your eyes all across this place. And the question, you know, many of you know it already. What is the Lord speaking to you? Go ahead and close your eyes. What is the Lord speaking to you? What out of what we've just communicated from the Bible, the living word of God, as you've read it, what is reading you? And what is it God is prompting our hearts to say yes to, to lay down? What is the need of transformation in your heart? What does it look like to become more like Christ out of what we've just read? And let's do that together. So let's take, we're gonna take the next five or six minutes. And if you need to come to the altar and kneel, if you wanna go face a wall somewhere, whatever it is, whatever it looks like for you to just get alone with God for the next few minutes and just let him speak to your heart. If it's to sit right here, that's fine too. Let's take the next five minutes. Let the Lord, let the Holy Spirit speak to us and we'll come together and pray.